Good morning, Anchor Nation. This is Aaron Rollins coming at you live once again from Southeast Third. That is not the street I live on. This is the name of the podcast for all of y'all that have been wondering, which I'm sure is none of you. Moving on. So, it was Easter weekend this weekend. Had a really good time. Family came out. Uh, got to see some of my nephews and nieces and my uh, my niece is actually using words now other than no, which is nice. And I told her dad, uh, my brother-in-law, I told him, uh, hey, at least she's not, you know, crying whenever I try to come and pick her up or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's kind of the key is that she's not she's not like running from me and stuff. So that's the uh, that's the goal. Anyway, moving on. So we had a good time. Um, it was nice and hot. My brother and his family got there like right on time or even maybe a few minutes late. I didn't show up till after one because I know how this stuff goes. They don't get things rolling until way after they say it's going to roll. It's always just a general guide. It's not like a, how do you say it, an itinerary of events. It's more like, well, this is when things are, are, are going to be having more or less. So you just show up whenever you want, maybe bring some food. They're going to have food regardless. And they cook the same freaking food every freaking time. And you would think they would learn to pick out brisket that's not full of fat it's so much fat in the food it's getting stuck in my teeth i'm having trouble chewing it and i'm like what is this why is this all fatty don't don't y'all know how to pick out decent meats what is going on <laughs> they had some pretty good um sausage links that they had like stuffed with cheese and they had this good macaroni mix and then they had all this other stuff which you know it wasn't bad it was just too much onion this family loves onions. I can't stand all that onion. A little bit of onion. I'm fine. But when I get to where like every bite I'm crunching onion in my mouth. No. No thank you. That's not for me. I don't like that. Moving on. So um, some new things happening for me. Uh, I did give my notice at my job. And I'm talking uh, to my boss to try to figure out, you know, what's going to happen with me. Am I going to stay or am I going to go? I'm going to talk more about that this week. Um, he wants me to stay. Um, I don't really have any other job opportunities right now. Um, so my notice was for a month. I gave a month's notice, and I know most people are like two weeks' notice. But the way we do our schedule, we do our schedule at least a month away. And I was like, you know, I need to, I need to say something before he puts me down on the schedule, and then I'm like leaving them high and dry. I want them to know I'm going. I don't want them to think that I'm still going to be here. So <laughs> I, I let them know and um, we'll be talking more about that. And, you know, my my stepbrother said something that I haven't said I haven't thought of in a long time. Money talks and BS walks. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. You give me an extra four thousand dollars a year. You won't hear another peep out of me. That'll change my life. You know, that'll get me to where I like don't need to go to school for extra cash and all this other crap. Um we're we're looking at those options. I don't know what he's capable of doing. He's never really made it clear, you know, what he's allowed to do, you know, so on and so forth, which I don't know if he can authorize the a pay increase of that high. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no he can't because um I don't know what my my supervisor's pay scale is because kind of like shift work you you got a team lead we have a, a lead position for our role and then the nurses have a lead position he's the clinical um nurse leader well that's not true he's more of education um 
I guess that would be the assistant nurse supervisor. It's more like the nurse leader. And then the nurse manager is, uh, you know, over everybody. Anyway, moving on. So I'm going to try to figure that out. I, um, I really, I got to get away from these people. You know, after one of them said uh, to, to me about a patient that was trying to go to suicide, ah, screw it, let her do it. Bet you that she won't. And I've said this before. I just don't feel comfortable um, with with people having that sort of attitude towards patients I'm trying to take care of. You know, if you feel like you you aren't at a point anymore where you can take care of people, then I think it's time for you to pursue other job opportunities. And we've got a couple of nurses that are like having reality checks, and they're like, you know what? This is my time. My time's up. I need to get out of this. You know, it happens. I think somebody said within like the next uh, five years, 75% of healthcare professionals will leave the profession. I don't, I can definitely see that because in a way, this is customer service and customer service sucks. All right. Customer service sucks. I don't know. I don't want anybody to get uh, some sort of uh, naivete going on here or or like blinded by the flashing lights of pay and prestige of being a healthcare professional. It sucks. All right. And it sucks when people are coaching you up and down. It sucks when people are um, spitting at you or they're trying to pull out their IVs, which happened the other day, and they're bleeding everywhere. You know, this cat pulls out his IV and he starts bleeding. And I don't have gloves on, but I got to stop the bleed because he's bleeding. So I put, just put my hand on it. And another doctor is like, hey, go get some gloves. So he puts his hand on it instead. He's got gloves on. So anyway, um, back to what I was saying. You know, we just we have stuff like that happen on the regular. And, and I'm just like my one location out of many. So, you know, uh, professionals are, are getting sick of it. They're getting sick of of um, people talking to them any way that they want or saying anything that they want to say and all that trash. So, you know, and I don't blame them. I do not blame them at all. It's not easy. When you got to put up with people like this. So moving on, um, you know, I've just I've had more and more experiences where it's like I don't want to work with these nurses. And he even asked me is like, is, you know, let's let's think of things that I can do to keep you here. And I said, apart from something, something drastic, I don't know what you can do. Drastic meaning you clean fucking house and fire a whole bunch of people. I've already told him, you know, about people that I've had negative experiences with. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I had to snitch. But he asked for names. He asked for names specifically. And I was just trying to give him, you know, I tried for like weeks to just give him broad examples. I was like, this is what I'm seeing and hearing. And I don't like this. I don't want to work around this. And he's like, well, I want names. And I was like, I don't want to give you names. He's like, I want names. I was like, all right, fine. So I've got to figure out, you know, where where I'm going to uh, draw up even more examples. Because I, once again, I don't want to throw people under the bus. But I'm seeing patients not getting cleaned up. They're not getting wiped up when they crap themselves or they come in dirty and they don't get cleaned. Their, their toes aren't getting taken care of and they're not putting socks on their feet. That's a safety hazard. The floors are slippery. If you walk on them barefoot and you're 65, 70 years old, you're going to slip. The nurses got to be cognizant of that. And it's like they're, they're too busy doing other stuff that they, that they don't want to do stuff like that. And I'm like, how can you be that busy? You know, there's going to come a day where we're not around anymore because they're going to transition us into home care, our home health, rather, where we go to the house and we set up for the doctor to see the patient in their home instead of them coming to us. 
which will make things a lot better. But that means that the nurses aren't going to be having us doing all their grunt work for them anymore. They're going to have to do it themselves. They're going to have to take the patient up on their own. They're going to have to change their, their clothes on their own. They're going to have to do the full workup by their freaking selves. We ain't going to be around for much longer. I'd say at least maybe another year and a half at the, at the minimum. Maybe take a little bit longer, but a year and a half, and then we're gone. Because we're going to be going to patients' homes. We're not going to be working in the hospital. So, and I, I just get frustrated. So we had this uh, patient, like I said, he had pulled out his IV. And he's trying to get up. He's drunk out of his mind. We got like six people in there trying to hold him down. This guy's parents come in. And he's in his uh, late 30s, early 40s. And his parents are there. But, I mean, he's drunk, drunk. He's I haven't seen anybody this drunk in a while. So he's drunk out of his mind. He's trying to get up. He's, he's uh, shit-talking us. He's trying to, like, force us off of him. I, I think he even, like, reached over to slap one guy, but, you know, it was, he was so drunk he didn't even come close. So, you know, I'm in there, and we're trying to get more IV started because he pulled an IV out, and I'm like, okay, we're not going to be able to get this IV, so I'm going to get the ultrasound, but I'm going to wait and let them at least figure something out because I don't want to jump in there and start calling shots when we've got three other nurses in there trying to figure it out amongst themselves. That just creates more friction. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let them say what they got to say. And then I'm going to get the ultrasound when they screw it up because I know they're going to screw it up. This guy's a tough stick. He's drunk and he won't sit still. So they try to stick him with an IV, uh, which that's our standard thing is that we get IV access so that we can give fluids and medications and calm this dude down. So, He's kicking and hollering and carrying on, and I'm trying to hold him still. And I'm trying to stay involved in the situation because I know if I step away, I'm going to be tasked with something else. And that's the, actually what happened. So I'm in there trying to help, and this other nurse comes by. is like, Aaron, I need my patient to go up to whatever floor. And I'm like, I'm in here. She said, oh, they got plenty of people. And I said, okay. And so she leaves, and she gives me this look and like gets this tone with me. And I'm like, I don't got time for your crap. I am going to get the equipment. I'm going to get the IV started, and we're going to go. And, and, and less than two minutes later, I get IV access, and we tape it down. We're good to go. And then, um, I stay in there for like another five to eight minutes. I spent about ten minutes doing all of this because the guy, one, was bucking, and two, I needed to get everything ready, and three, I had to make sure that the IV was going to stay. So we get everything started. It takes about 10, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, I'd say more closer to 10. And I step out. I'm taking my gloves off. I've got this guy's blood on me. I'm sweating. And I said, hey, I'm free now. What did you want? And she's like, uh, 3K. Patient's got to go up. I'm like, all right, fine. You could have taken him during the whole time I was in there, but I'll take him for sure. I'll take him right now. And I'm like wiping sweat off my neck and face as she's sitting at her computer. Okay, that's how things are going to be here from now on. I get it. Yeah, y'all um, y'all have fun with that while I go work somewhere else. And you can get someone else to do these difficult IV starts for you. That's where I'm at, and I'm not... I am, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Um, all right, so all of that about work. That's over with. <laughs> you know, back to more uh, relevant topics. Why do people bring their badass kids out in public? Your kids are not well-behaved, but you bring them with you anyway. And I don't know what you're trying to do. 
Are you, are you, do you need them to get socialized? There are ways to do that outside of bringing them to public places where other people are trying to enjoy themselves. And you're going to bring your kid that's known to have a meltdown, that's known to have a temper tantrum. You know that you're going to cause a scene and distract everybody that's there and make things more hard to, to, to handle. The grocery store, a movie theater, so, it's, it's anything like that. People are going to fucking, you know, my kid is my, my, my favorite. He's, this is my, my problem child. You know what I'm saying? Not not their favorite. They're, the, the kid's my problem child, but we're going to work on some of that stuff. You don't need to work on that with us. We don't need to be a part of that. We don't need to sit there and watch you discipline your child for the sixth time at the grocery store while you're trying to check out. I don't want that. I don't need to be a part of that. <laughs> Can't you leave them with somebody? Don't you have family? Don't you have friends? Hell, my sister will just show up at my mom's house and drop her kids off. She won't call her nothing. As long as the door's unlocked, she just walks in, hey, and just leaves the kids. And it's like, all right, I'll be back. <laughs> no hi, no how you doing, no nothing. She don't give a damn. <laughs> I always thought that was humorous. So, anyway, that just, uh, that's something that I, I struggle to understand. I know I'm not a parent. I get that. Everybody reminds me that I'm not this and I'm not that. I, I understand. I know. It's just, it's funny that <laughs> you, you can't even, you know, call somebody to help you out. Fuck. Just call anybody. <laughs> oh, God. We don't need that in public, man. Leave your badass kids at home or with a friend. Shit. Anyway, moving on. So, um, I've been telling y'all about Waco Poet Society for a long time. And it was something that I was very happy to be a part of. But while things were slowed down pretty much to a halt with um, the way things were going, you know, even before COVID hit us, we weren't drawing a crowd. You know, things just really slowed down. And, uh, you know, people were, were just not showing up very often. It just, it just wasn't a good um, crowd getter. You know, people... You know, you have a group of five, maybe ten come around, and I was okay with that. But it turns out that because of um, our inactivity, another group started that wanted to use the same name. And so they started drawing the crowds. They're like, one of them's a Baylor alumni, and he's a musician, so he's drawing people in. And they're actually getting numbers and stuff. And, um, I mean, I don't know. They're, they want to take it over, and they want to be Waco Poets Society. And so this girl that came in and was trying to take things over, she saw an opportunity for them to come in and take take things over and um, be a part of their organization and actually have people show up, which, you know, if they can get the crowds, I mean, that's what it's all about, really. It's all about people showing up, you know. I mean, the poetry's not a, a big deal. Poetry's not where, you know, you have stadiums filled with people to listen to you recite poetry. Nobody gives a fuck about that. But... You can make it relevant again with performance poetry, which is something that I like doing. You don't just get up there and read your piece. You act it out. And um, I'm thinking that you know that's going to inspire more people to write about what's going on in their lives because nobody talks. And you know, I just feel like as society as a whole, we're starting to become more isolated and more uh, retentive. So I'm trying to get people to get out there and share. You know, sharing just helped me in a lot of ways. So. Um, all that to say that uh, the Waco Poet Society is going to be transitioning out of my control to someone else's control who's had more success. And um, I mean, a part of me is like, man, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know what they're going to make it into. I don't know what their message is going to be. 
And I don't know if they're going to give it the attention that it's that it deserves. I mean, this organization has been around six years, you know, and the people that started it up. Heck, I think it was even before that. I just know that I came into it six years ago. So these people are, are, are coming in and they've already started something, but they want the name. And it's like, well, are you staying true to what the organization was about? Or is this kind of like big corporate taking over the mom and pot store? Uh, I don't want that. So... You know, a part of me is like, man, you got to let that go. You got all kinds of other shit you got to do. <laughs> like right now, I'm wasting my fucking time trying to build this damn miniature for my brother's Dungeon and Dragon game. Like this, this doesn't, this is not important. But fuck it, man, I'm gonna spend an hour doing it. You can bet that shit. So <laughs> anyway, um, so that's been where my uh, head has been at here recently. Um, I don't want to give that up, but I'm looks like looks like I've got to. You know, they they've got more success, they've got more backing. Like one of them's got backing from Baylor University somehow. I don't I don't know. I, I know he's a former student and employee, so excuse me. He's not very old, so it's not like he's got a PhD or nothing. But I think he's got his bachelor's degree, and uh, you know, student alumni they they have some. They don't have a lot of weight, but they have some weight with Baylor. So regardless, he's got resources. He's got a partner, some lady that he works with. Um, they're putting stuff together and, um, the problem that I had was, is that this chick wants to take the social media and rename it, rebrand it, but it's like, you're, we're losing our identity in that. So all that work and all the years that we've put into this are now going to be changed. And yeah, I mean, you know, a part of me was like, you know what? The mission is staying alive. So just hand it off. There's nothing wrong with that, but but then a part of me was like, all this this history is 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 going to be forgotten because nobody's going to remember that. They're going to remember the new organization. So, I I think that's just a part of growing old, is realizing that you know everything that you work on, unless you're you know building a building or putting a statue up or doing something that has longevity, it's just not going to last. Uh, and, and, you know, we're moving into a time in our lives where things are just changing so rapidly that instead of you having to deal with changes over decades, you're dealing with changes over just a handful of years. So, and I, I'm not just seeing that with my organization. I'm seeing that with other things as well. So, that's a bummer. That's a bummer. But the good news is, is that they're going to be having events where people actually show up. So, that's cool. Maybe I'll be in front of a crowd again like I was in New York and Washington, D.C. So, anyway, all that beside the point. I told my brother that when uh, he ever has a surgical procedure and they put him under anesthesia, I'm going to tell the doctors to shave his hair. <laughs> he didn't like that. He thought, it's like, no, man, I want to keep what I've got. It's like, bro, just shave it off. Just get rid of it. You, you got to embrace it, man. You'll look good. I promise you, you'll look good. Damn, Ain't nobody going to be making fun of you except Eddie. Eddie makes fun of everybody. So <laughs> there's nothing new there. <laughs> um, apart from that, there's really nothing else new going on. I'm almost done with my classes for the spring. I'm a little bummed out because I'm not getting nine, uh, A's like I, I thought I would get. I think I'm going to get A's and B's. But I put in the work, so it's all right. I'm passing. Get uh, more scholarships to apply to where my... My student financial shit. Um, so be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for more poetry stuff from me. 
Um, not necessarily as Waco Poet Society, but you never know. I'm putting together some new works, slowly but surely. People keep asking me about another goddamn book. Ever since I've told people I've written a book, they want to know when the sequel's coming out. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do a sequel. That, that shit was harder than it. People don't tell you how difficult it is to put a book together. Those people that write books all the goddamn time that I, that, you know, Stephen King has written over like a hundred books or, um, not Michael Palmer. He's dead. Uh, Brian Jakes wrote like 20 books before he died. Um, who else? Who else who wrote a shit ton of books? Daniel Steele, uh, God dang it, I can't think of anybody else. So all, all those like everyday writers that write all kinds of stuff, they don't tell you how hard this is to put a book together. Because one, you got to have the words to go on the page. And it's got to make sense. And it's got to entice people to actually read them. You know, And it's not like you're trying to draw 100 million people to read your book, but you want to draw at least 100,000. You, you want a good-sized crowd to read your shit. Because other, otherwise, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I'm, I'm working on that uh, little by little. I don't know when the sequel is going to be, so I will let you know. Just keep a lookout. Uh, I still want to get the apothecary done, and that's a that's a good story. I'll tell you all about that sometime. For now, I'm, I'm 20 minutes in. I need to get off this. Uh, check out my brother's podcast. I'm not going to say the name. I'm tired of saying it. I don't like that name anyway. So, but he's got a podcast out there. Um, it's, it's looking kind of interesting. They, they're having people come in and, and, and be guests on the show at random. Um, it's kind of like a radio show. I think that's pretty cool that people can, can just join in at random. Um, you know, radio shows, I used to call in on the Russ Martin show before he died and they had a whole screening process to keep trolls and, uh, other kind of things out of their, their airway, their airspace, uh, which I think that's, that's a good idea because they're, they're pretty bad out there. And, um, you know, on here, we don't have, on Shane's thing, we don't have that sort of screening, but they, uh, they can call in and, and Shane can tell them, it's like, hey, this is what's going on. If you want to talk about it, go ahead. If not, uh, no big deal. Just hang out and, and, uh, enjoy the, the good conversation. So anyway, um, I've beat this horse to death. It's time to move on. I will be talking to you guys soon. Uh, give JP's what a follow if you, you haven't yet. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. I'm sure somebody is going to freaking laugh at his outrageousness. <laughs> He's just so outrageous. It's just so outrageous, man. Y'all got to give that a follow. He's just freaking funny. Um, until then, y'all take care of yourselves. Hydrate. It's getting hot. Uh, look out for those uh, stinging bugs and allergies. You know, just What I'm trying to convince you to do is take care of yourself so you don't have to go to the hospital and make us work. That's the whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening. This has been Aaron Rollins from Southeast Third. I'm signing off.